Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today, and we are going to take you on a road trip. On today's road trip, we're visiting the Ivan Franco Museum to learn all about the poet, the writer, the political activist, and everything else that this Ukrainian accomplished in his great life. So let's all go on our road trip to the Ivan Franco Museum. I'm Lily Stearns. I'm, on, I'm a member of the board of Ivan Franco Museum. The first room that we're entering really illustrates the social and economic conditions that concerned Ivan Franco. The poverty, the oppression. This was a favorite theme of his, whether it was an oppression by the landowners who took advantage of the people, and they were terrible conditions. People lost their lives in there, but people were expendable. And in a way, this is why Franco resonated among the Ukrainian-Canadian immigrants, because they saw people who worked on the railroads or on, in the mines or in the factories. They lost a leg, lost an arm. They were expendable. They didn't have workers' compensation. And speaking broadly, I think this is why Ivan Franco appealed to the immigrants. So describe some of these um, beautiful paintings that we're seeing. This is one of our favorites. Lucy, do you want to talk about it? This is Lucy Nicolition. This painting is a farewell. It's showing how people were departing, uh, you know, to, probably to Canada. And you, you'll notice a, a lady's taking some soil with her so that she would be close to her Ukraine when she left. I think that this painting would resonate with people of all nationalities. It's a story of people reluctantly leaving home, saying goodbye to their parents, and not knowing whether they ever come back. I want to stress how universal Franco was, because this happened to many nationalities. And that's what's so wonderful about Franco, is he told a story of people, and he was very concerned with humanity. For our listeners who haven't heard of Ivan Franco, who could speak to just a sort of general a summary of his life and his accomplishments. Uh, I'm Brent Stearns. I'm uh, on the board of the uh, museum as well. He was born in um, 1856. He died in 1916, before the First World War. He, he was born in uh, what, what is now Western Ukraine, what was then the Austro-Hungarian Empire. There was deep poverty in the area, and he was always concerned that uh, his people, that their condition be bettered. And he thought that the way to better their condition was to change the structure of the world. He wanted to change the world. Uh, in his later life, he was a, what I think you would call a social democrat. He wanted to work through um, politics. He wanted to work through the law. And this inspired the immigrants who came to Canada in, say, 1891 to 1914. It inspired them to form a social democratic party in Canada to work within the structures to express the revolutionary spirit they felt in their minds. And so what is the museum celebrating? I think it's celebrating his life and work. I think pointing out what his philosophy was. And you'll find that in his, particularly his poems, as you go through the museum, it's sort of, you know, break your chains, rise up. And that was a constant theme of Schifranco's. And I think that would resonate with people. Uh, it wasn't necessarily take guns or arms. It was free yourselves. Don't 
Don't allow yourselves to be oppressed. Well, let's take a walk. So this first room is a lot of paintings and we see a lot of quotes and poetry. What, what's in the second uh, wing here, we could call it? I see some instruments on the wall. They're Ukrainian folk instruments. They're very beautiful. They're, the carvings, for example, you see in this bandura. Oh, and we've also got a, a bugen. That's sort of like a drum. Anyhow, this room also shows you what was really amazing about Franco. He was so many things. He wrote poetry, he wrote essays, he wrote plays, but he translated. I mean, look at what he translated Byron, he translated Shelley, Burns, Dante. He translated from the Greek, Homer, Sophocles, Mark Twain. It's, it just staggers the mind. His range was incredible. And he wanted Ukrainians to be educated. He thought they'd, the, and this was a, a common theme with Shevchenko, was educate yourselves. Don't allow yourselves to be ignorant. I think if you want to get an idea of Franco, what, what I read mainly is translations of his short stories and also of his narrative poems, the longer ones that tell a story. He depicts Moses as a kind of revolutionary hero that uh, helped uh, the uh, Hebrew uh, slaves escape their slavery and go toward a better world. You know, Moses was an image of what he wanted to be himself. And uh, so if you read that English translation of that poem, you get a pretty good sense of um, what he's meaning to say. He did write love poems, and they're very beautiful. They're very layered, and it's very hard to translate poetry because there are images that just simply don't translate. There are nuances to a word, and you you know you need three words in English to, to describe it. But if you read it in Ukrainian, they're absolutely gorgeous. They're really beautiful. You are listening to River City 360's Road Trip. We are taking a tour of Winnipeg's Ivan Franco Museum with board members Lily Stearns, Brent Stearns, and Lucy Nicolishin. This is the only museum devoted to him outside of Ukraine. Why Winnipeg? Why? Where does Winnipeg factor into this? Winnipeg used to be the center of social democratic um, Ukrainian activity in, in, in Canada. The Ukrainian Labor Temple is right next door. And that was built by left-wing-leaning, socialist-leaning Ukrainian immigrants. Not all Ukrainian immigrants were of this frame of mind, but a lot were. And the ones that were, were inspired by Franco and the old country and Franco's colleagues. I also think that you should take into account the impact that uh, Franco's writing had on the people here and indirectly, in an ironic way, influenced people of the north end of Winnipeg. I mean, he was talking to them, uh, those people working on the railway or working in the factories or Vulcan Iron or anywhere. Uh, What he spoke of was oppression, terrible working conditions, and that carried on. It was sort of even part of the social gospel movement that took root with Woodsworth and the CCF. Douglas, all of them, they adopted the same idea 
is not from Francois, but it all kind of came together in North End Winnipeg. And that's why they elected people like Joe Zook and, and, and Jacob Penner and Kaliznik and others. It, it spoke to their souls. This particular painting is Ivan Franco reading uh, to Laville workers about political economy. Personally, he got absolutely nowhere. He ran for office three times. He wasn't defeated. They just didn't allow him to serve. You know, it was amazing as a as a poet and as a writer. He was highly educated. I mean, he has actually had his PhD. He was an incredible man of the world. But politically, he was arrested three times, sent to prison for his writing. Had done nothing but write. The other painting shows his trial. He's on trial. They're, they're paintings that are very expressive. And that one shows he's not going to win. He was imprisoned, and the prison guard was taking him from one village to another. He was very ill, and they wouldn't give him anything to eat. And then they brought him back to the village to face some consequences of uh, his speaking out for the people and found out that there were no charges laid. So all this time they were taking him back and forth during a period of time when he was very ill. Just because his writings were considered a danger to society? Danger to the crown, to the... To the powers that be. That's right. He died, I think he was, he was about 50, wasn't that right, Lucy? Was it 60? He was in terrible health. The, the years in prison took a toll. He couldn't find employment, he couldn't find a teaching position, despite the fact that he had a PhD. Well, let's keep on walking through here. There's a lot of folk art in this room, uh, a lot of ceramics, beautiful glassware, there's wood carving. There's more of a focus on his latter years. So this is in some ways a little sadder room, uh, but it also has these very poignant, marvelous uh, plaques up on the wall that still continue the theme of uh, rise up and make a better world. People, people, I am your brother. I have dedicated my life for you to relieve you of your sorrow. I would give my heart's blood, and what blood cannot eradicate, we will destroy with fire. To struggle is to live. Vive memento, to live. It does speak to the revolutionary kind of like rise up the, the lower the lower class and take over, you know, like don't allow yourselves to be oppressed. It pleases me that so many more people, whether it's women or young people, are starting to take charge. For example, the shootings down in the States with these young people marching to Washington and saying, enough, how much more can we take? And that, in essence, expresses Yvonne Francois. Let's talk a little bit about the museum, because it was actually established a century after the birth of Franco to celebrate him. Well, it started out in a house on Pritchard Avenue, and it was full of paintings that were donated by the Society for uh, Cultural Relations with Ukrainians. And so most of these paintings uh, came from Ukraine. There are some uh, private donations. Uh, the museum is run by volunteers. We have a board. We we uh, exist on largely on donations. And if people want to check out this beautiful collection for themselves, what's the best way to get in touch? They should call Lily and Brent. 589-4397. Uh, that's open four days of the week. There's an answering machine, and they'll be very happy to pass on messages to anybody who wants to come and tour the museum, and we're very happy to arrange for guides. And it's over here at uh, at 200 McGregor in the North End, connected to the Ukrainian Labor Temple. We'd love to have visitors.
Thanks again to Lily Brent and Lucy from the Ivan Franco Museum for the amazing tour. And to anyone out there who's curious about the museum, again, you can call 204-589-4397 for more information or to book a tour yourself.